0: Welcome to Sessions by Monster Chats. Sessions is a new kind of show for us where we ditch the script and instead dig into the real stories behind the people in our professional lives. How do we all come together in this world of entrepreneurship, sales, and unified communications one session at a time? All right, today I'm talking with Mario Carrasco, the co-founder and principal of Think Now. Uh, we're going to talk about the entrepreneur journey and some of the cool things that they're doing over there at Think Now. Mario, uh, welcome to Monster Chats. How you doing?
1: Doing well. Thanks for having me, Colin.
0: Awesome. So, are you guys still working from home, or or what's the deal with you guys?
1: We are. We are. Um, I'm actually in the office, so I have a co-founder. We've been kind of just alternating days to have a little bit of sanity, work away from the kids, but um, it's it's empty in here. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome, I'm in the office myself, so it's, it's definitely um, makes it a little bit easier to get away from the kids and actually yeah. get some work done.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, it's impossible to record a podcast with little ones running around.
0: Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, all right, so tell us, before we dig into some of the things that you guys are doing over there, I think now, just tell us about your journey, kind of where you grew up, you know, you know, where your career started and then, you know, how you came to co-founding Think Now.
1: Yeah. So um, I grew up in Simi Valley, kind of a little town right outside of Los Angeles. Um, Yeah, grew up there, Um, made my way over to Los Angeles during college. So went to CSUN for undergrad, um, then ended up going to USC for my master's. Um, and my journey, you know, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs took a lot of different paths. I had no idea what I wanted to do in undergrad. I studied English literature. Um, and you know, that's a major you, 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 that's a major you take on when you have no idea what you want to do. <laughs> um, but interestingly now with the content boom, it's come in very handy that I can, I can write complete sentences, um, so, but yeah, so I studied English literature, um, had no idea what I was going to do. Um, literally Googled, you know, what can I do with an English degree and teaching was the number one thing. So right after college, I taught high school English and realized I was a really, I was a terrible teacher. Uh-huh. Um, so I did that for a couple of years. Um, you know, if you're passionate about something, uh, don't teach it to high schoolers, right? You have to be you have to be passionate about teaching. Um, you can't be passionate about a subject. So um, you know, after that, again, went back to googling. What do I? What can I do with an English degree? And uh, marketing came up, and so it was. Uh, I, I looked at for some marketing jobs, kind of entry level. Um, I was in a weird place, right, having an English degree english teacher um you know who's going to give you a marketing job but i found a company called hispanic business based out of santa barbara um, and they were they were essentially like uh, forbes or a fortune for latino executives latino business owners Um, did some research prior to applying and the founder was actually an english literature major himself um, and professor so um, reached out, kind of did the heartfelt email, and he gave me an opportunity. Um, and that really changed the trajectory of my career um, and, and, and introduced a part of uh, my, my background being, you know, being Mexican-American, first generation, I'm bilingual, speak Spanish, um, never really incorporated that in, in my professional career, but this job allowed me to do that. Um and also there's there was some trends happening you know after the 2000 census um marketers were scrambling because the hispanic the growth of the hispanic population was grossly underestimated um and when the 2000 census came out um companies Brown realized wow there's a large us hispanic population that we're really not capturing um and so I was able to get this job find this niche at the time Um, this is in, you know, 2003, 2004, several years after the census, um, that was a growing industry, which was multicultural marketing.
0: And how, how big, how big was that number that was, was like the people before that census came out?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I don't know know the numbers exactly, but the, I think the underestimation was double digit percentage, right? Like underestimated by like 10%. Wow. Right. Um, you know, I, and I think back then, you know, U.S. Hispanics were probably like 12, 13 percent of population of the U.S. Flash forward, now we're twenty percent of the U.S. population. Um, and so, you know, my my career like dovetailed with that. Um, got into got into marketing, found a niche in Hispanic marketing, um, and then got into a further niche of research and analytics. I realized I really enjoyed that aspect digging into numbers. Um, and again, kind of my, my English degree, um, helped me with that, right. A lot of research, a lot of digging into the numbers and creating a story. Um, so after Hispanic business, I worked for a small market research firm focused on the Latino population in the U S called Garcia research, um, grew, you know, grew that company, became a partner in that company, um, And um, within two years after like 20 years of being around that company was acquired. And um, at that time, the person who hired me um, who now became my business partner um, him and I realized that there was still a need for a company focused on, on, um, on Latino, african-american asian consumers in the u.s this was 2011 Mm -hmm. um so we didn't go along for the purchase and started think now at that time
0: wow so let's 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 go back for a minute and talk about you know from uh you know starting as a high school teacher right and figuring out that this was not this was not for me um and then what was it like taking that leap into that job that you know it sounds like you learned a lot in that opportunity
1: um, you know, I, I was, I was young. Um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't married, didn't have a family. So, um, the decision was pretty easy for me to, to, to leave teaching, you know, yeah. I, I think I, and I think it was an important step because I realized I, I came to a realization about myself that I, I'm, I'm not one that likes, um, stability or predictability, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I remember being in my second year teaching and they have, you know, they have a meeting prior to the school year starting that, um, all the teachers gather and they kind of tell you, uh, what's going to happen that school year. And I realized like, can I, can I really do this meeting for, you know, 30 more times, 30 more years, <laughs> you know, like it just seemed kind of crazy to me. So, yeah. um, you know, I, 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 realized like I needed some change, some variability, Um, and so that's when I got into marketing, but, um, what was nice is like, you know, looking back, all your experiences really, um, help you in your next stage, right? I mean, you can, you can look at it as, as, as a failure, you made the wrong decision, but if I hadn't taken those steps, I don't think I'd be the marketer or the entrepreneur I was today. Um, cause there's so many lessons to be learned when you're teaching somebody, especially high schoolers, um, and then you know, my choosing an English degree, which I thought I wasn't going to be able to do anything with it, but like flash forward, and content marketing is content, right? Yeah. And so for me, the ability to write content, which is something I do regularly now for Think Now, um, has been really a strategic advantage over other founders. So I feel like everything worked out in the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's people that are working backwards trying to figure out like, how do I now write or right. don't have that education where they don't even feel comfortable writing to create content. So yeah. having that definitely gives you the upper hand. Um, but it sounds like you definitely had that entrepreneur spirit from the very beginning, because you said something that really stuck out is you didn't like predictability or (laughs) stability, right? Which is like most people would be like, what? Uh, But that's definitely that entrepreneur in you because I'm the same way. Like I love challenge and struggle and like, you know, the business that I'm in today was created out of many failures of trying to diversify my first business, you know, and, you know, finding a need for something that I found, you know, hard in my own running my own company um so so tell me okay so then the company you're working for gets acquired and you guys decide to go out on your own tell me like what was what did you have a family at that time what was um what
1: that no do? no uh, you know no no family at that time either um uh but my business partner he he you know he does and he did have a family at that time so that was an an interesting dynamic but i think um, you know, I, I think working together, you know, even he was, he was, he was my, my boss. I reported to him. Um, but there was a camaraderie there. And I think um, that, that was also a really critical step in founding the business. Like not too many founders get to work together for years prior to starting a business. So mm. I knew his strengths. Um, I knew his weaknesses. He knew my strengths and weaknesses. Um, we knew we got along professionally um and so that that made the leap pretty easy um and also you know the the you know me not necessarily um you know having a a, a family i was able to take a little bit more risk um and and him being um on the other side of things you know, kind of helped me manage that risk as well. So we were, we were a good fit.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So tell me um, what were like the, so you guys started in 2011, right? Um, Tell me what were the early stages? Like some of the, some of the big wins, some of the struggles, challenges, like just, just give it all to us.
1: Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, um, you know, what we I mean, we were working from our home offices. Um, the good thing is that we started a business in the same niche that we were previously. So we had a lot of contacts. Um, you know, we didn't, because we kind of, we because we left prior to signing any kind of documents with the acquiring company, we didn't have any non-competes, um, which was good. And something that entrepreneurs should consider, right? Like, at, at those times, like you sign these documents and, um, you know, maybe before you know what you're doing and some of these are, are, are pretty onerous. I mean, we had offers at that time, prior to us even having a company to prior to us billing anything, when the company found out that, um, we were going to start our own company, you know, they made us some offers of like, okay, cool. You guys are going to do that. Um, well, we want to offer you X amount of money if you don't do this. Mm. Um, And while we weren't thinking about doing that, we still didn't want to sign it in case we did do that. Um, And good thing we didn't because we did end up doing that thing several years later. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, some of our first clients, we did, we did a lot of consulting work Um, and we did consulting work. We started building panels for companies Um, and unbeknownst to us at that time in year one, you know, we, we got these consulting contracts we started building these products for other companies. Um, We didn't realize that we were building our competition, Um, but you know, it, that's okay. It gave us, you know, consulting is great because it's little to no investment, right? You're just charging for your hours. Mm -hmm. Um, So that allowed us to be profitable from day one. Um, And then, large companies started to come to us, you know, just from, you know, putting our shingle out there, the connections that we had. I mean, I remember uh, my business partner has like a little uh, like a little ADU in his backyard. Um, and we were talking to McDonald's, you know, and and <laughs> we're, we're in this tiny kind of essentially what's a shed. Um, so it's, and, and, and we had like a patio table in there and we're talking to McDonald's about contracts. So that's, that's something I'll never forget from the, from the early days, right. Pretending to be this big corporation yeah. um, and just two guys in a shed it's, on a picnic table.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny because a lot of companies early on, you know, 10 years ago, plus a lot of small companies wanted to feel, you know, wanted people to think they're bigger, Yeah, you know? Um, and now a lot, I've, I've seen a bit of a shift and maybe you'll agree with this we A lot of companies actually prefer working with a smaller, more boutique, medium-sized company where they're going to get more love, more attention, and that they really matter to that company.
1: For sure. For sure. And that's, I mean, and that's our ethos, right? Um, Small boutique, but also really focused on what we do about multicultural consumers. I mean, our, our whole pitch is that multicultural consumers comprise, you know, 30 40% 30, 40% of the US population. And whereas most market research companies, um, they might have a section of the company, a guy, a girl that heads it up. Like we are a company just dedicated to that. And when mm-hmm. when the when that's a consumer makes up 30 to 40 percent, you know, you need a company that's a hundred percent dedicated, not just a division.
0: Mm-hmm. So how has the company Changed over time from being in that back ADU, you know, <laughs> doing more just kind of consulting gigs. Um, kind of where 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 is it? You know, tell us a little bit where it's at today. And, and yeah, some so of the we wins you know you guys have had
1: we 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 had the benefit of uh, you know working again for a company that was very similar to what we were doing right now. Um, and we saw the good decisions that were made by the founder and all the bad decisions. Um, and we, we were, we never wanted to build a company. Um, we don't believe in if they, if you build it, they will come, you know, it's the opposite. We wanted to build things that our clients were asking us for. And so when we started the company, we had an idea of, of the type of research products that we wanted, but the, our clients were coming to us for, the type of work that we did previously. And and we didn't want to do that because it was high overhead. You had to hire a lot of people. Um, but we kept on getting these asks and we were outsourcing a lot of it, right? We would put in the knowledge in the front end, kind of designing the research, but then we would outsource a lot of it. And so a lot of the early days was just Putting together a business that our clients were asking us for, and so now we've developed into a full-fledged market research agency with with multiple departments that every step of the way has been driven by our clients. So, um, you know, we do full. You know, we have now you know thirty employee employees globally. Uh, We have a full service market research division where we're working with Facebook, Google, Honda, ARP on. Helping them understand multicultural consumers and that means they come to us for their objective we sit down design the research for them execute it find respondents for their surveys and give them a presentation um we own and operate now one of the largest u.s hispanic panels which is uh, essentially a group of people that have agreed to take surveys on a regular basis Um, so that's a whole other division of the company and Our clients there are are our competitors um, like the Nielsen, Ipsos of the world that don't have that asset and need Hispanic respondents to complete surveys. Um, We started a government division, um, which is essentially similar to full service. We're doing all the same work, but we're working with the federal government to help them understand consumers. So working with the CDC, FDA, U.S. Army. And then we just launched the newest division of our company, which is called ThinkNow Connect, which is a SaaS platform, uh, essentially a marketing technology that allows marketers to log in, input what they know about their consumers, click search, and it gives you on-demand insights about multicultural consumers without having to wait for that long research process.
0: Wow. Do you ever just uh, sit back and like, almost fall out of your seat of what you guys have accomplished in such a short time.
1: No, and no, I was just talking, to, I was just talking about it. Right. But I mean, you know how it is when you're in it, you know, yeah. you know, you don't get to reflect until you're invited to a podcast. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, could you ever imagine that when you first started this company, it would be what it is today?
1: No, no which is the, which is the great thing about what we do right like every day is new you don't know where it's going to evolve and i think the biggest or the coolest thing um that i didn't expect at all was how integral the people you hire are right like mm-hmm. i mean it I, i'm we i work with some amazing people like that that um if not for them, our company wouldn't be where it is. It's just—it's just amazing to um, have people believe in your vision and take it. Your companies help you take your company somewhere you never thought it would be. I yeah. mean, I, I think that's like a, one of the most fulfilling parts of this.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, hey man, thanks so much, Mario. I really appreciate you coming on Monster Chats today. Before. I let you go tell people where they can find you online, where they can find out more about your company and anything else you want to let people know.
1: Yeah. So we're pretty active across social. Um, our company is think now one word T H I N K N O W. Um, we're on LinkedIn at think now Twitter at think now tweets, Facebook at think now. Um, if you want to find me, I am pretty active across social as well on LinkedIn, Mario, X as an X-Ray Carrasco, C-A-R-R-A-S-C-O. Same on Twitter and Facebook. Um, Then we have a podcast as well where we are talking to researchers and marketers focused on multicultural consumers. So if you're interested in issues about diversity, multicultural marketing, you can check out our podcast, uh, The New Mainstream. That's on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Mario. really appreciate you coming on here. Um, If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, and we're listening for your feedback. The show is all about you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sessions by Monster Chats, presented to you by Monster VoIP. Monster VoIP started, frankly, because we were sick and tired of getting gouged on our business phone bill and getting dropped calls all of the time. Today, Monster VoIP serves over 6,000 customers and is passionate about saving businesses money and giving them the features that they need in a modern tech stack for today's companies. Text TRIAL to 424-378-6966 to get your free trial of Monster VoIP.